Welcome to the UMMC Bible Study Podcast, a podcast produced with students at UMMC. My name is Tim Chen, and I'm a former graduate of the UMC Medical School. Currently, I'm a family physician practicing in Mississippi. The goal of our podcast is to help our students and their families grow closer with the Lord and stronger in their faith and walk with God. With the rigors of school, it can be difficult to spend time with the Lord as well as fellowship with other believers. We hope that this podcast uplifts you during this challenging time and encourages you in your journey with God. Welcome back to the UMMC Bible Study Podcast. Sorry we missed last week. We had obviously a lot of holidays, so everyone was traveling and meeting with family and spending time together. But now we're back and ready to go again, and I've got Christian again with me. Hey, Christian, how you been? How was your holiday season? Oh, very restful. Thank you. Um, very glad to be back and uh, welcome in the new year with this podcast. You know, that's a really good point, Christian. Today is January 1st. So this is a new year. And I always, this is a side note, but I always appreciate that God gives us new days and new months and new years because it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to fall away and feel like your relationship with the Lord might be a little cold, but there's always tomorrow, right? There's always a next month and praise the Lord. There's always a new year. So we're starting off the new year really again tuning in to how do we experience christ like paul did specifically as shown in the book of philippians well christian today we are going to get right into philippians chapter 2. but before we start do you want to recap anything in the previous podcasts as you just mentioned so far it's just really been focused on experiencing christ this was Paul uh, had some expressions back in chapter one about the bountiful supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. And to, for me to live is Christ. So it's kind of some very interesting phrases there. I think we really were enjoying a while back about the, the bountiful supply of the spirit, how there's just so many things available to us in the spirit now. One, he's so available to us as the spirit and because of everything he's been through, all those things, all of the, his experiences are available to us and, you know, his humanity, even his death and his resurrection are available to us. So anyway, I'm interested to see what Paul continues to speak about in chapter two. Christian, that's actually a perfect opening to what we are getting into today, because we are going to get into Philippians chapter 2. We will start with verses 5 through 11, and then we will actually cover verses 12 and 13 as well. But I like what you said, Christian, and I would like to phrase it in this way to our listeners. What kind of Christ do you experience? And what I mean by that is, is it the historical Christ from history? Is it maybe a step above, let's say, the Christ that has died and has ascended and is now sitting at the right hand of God? So that kind of Christ? Or is it something maybe even a little bit more personal and subjective? And that's what we want to kind of dig out and see today. So Christian, do you have verses 5 through 11 of Philippians 2? Yes. So this is Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, 
who existing in the form of God did not consider being equal with God a treasure to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, becoming in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient, even unto death, and that the death of a cross. Therefore, also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should openly confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Thanks, Christian. Well, obviously, here Paul is painting a phenomenal picture about our Lord. This is the process he went through, even uh, his heart toward us, his love toward us, that caused him to be willing to come out of eternity, becoming a man, but not even just any man, but rather a slave, the lowest of a man, and not even just a slave to serve, but a slave to die for us. But praise God, therefore God highly exalted him. Right? and gave him the name that is above every name. And now, even as believers in Christ, we can take the lead to bow the knee first. You know, one day, the entire universe will bow the knee to our wonderful Lord Jesus Christ. But we as believers, we take the lead to bow our knees first to God. And this is all phenomenal and wonderful. But I want to actually start right in verse 5. Because of this little phrase, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Christian, I'm reading this, these wonderful points about the Lord. And I'm going to tell you right now, there is nothing in me that can do what the Lord did. I don't have the capacity. I really, in my culture, in my training, in my upbringing, I do not have that kind of capacity to, to do what the Lord did. So this phrase here, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, seems kind of difficult. How can I physically and mentally do what the Lord did? Do you have any insight for me in that? Well, Tim, I think we've, we've talked about this before, this kind of striving that we're trying to get away from in our Christian life. Here, you, you, what the picture seems like you're painting, it's, it's, just, it's a Christian who, who's seen something, maybe they've read these verses and they see what kind of person Christ was. And, and we read, let this mind be in you. So then it becomes, okay, I'm going to try to be that. Or actually even worse, I'm supposed to be like that. I should be that. And, and it becomes a law to us. It becomes some kind of standard that we have to fulfill or attain to and we try to do it in ourselves, uh, rather, whether consciously or unconsciously. And I think that can become a source of real frustration. Well, uh, I, I can't ever be as humble as the Lord was, or I don't think any of us wants to die, let alone the, the death of the cross. That's kind of very difficult. So uh, there must be something else that Paul's talking about here, right? (laughs) 
Absolutely, Christian. I think you hit the nail on the head. We as Christians, you know, we want to be good Christians. And so it's easy for us to read these verses and attempt to fulfill them according to our own strength and according to our own concept. But if you've lived as long as I have, which is a couple of decades, and you've had a couple of kids or you've been married, you start realizing that the humility that the Lord has right here is near impossible to to do by our own human standards. And I think what we brought out in our Roman study was the whole point of the law and these things is to show us our dependence on the Lord, right? Our lack, our inability to fulfill God's law causes us to cling to Him. And I really like this verse, and we'll actually bring it up, uh, or, or this word, and we'll actually link it to the few verses down uh, further down in chapter 2. And this this word, let. So you brought up the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ earlier, Christian, in chapter 1. And that and the word let have a lot to do with one another. Do you want to kind of link these two words together? Verse 5 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Well, according to Romans 8, from what we had been joined before, you know who lives in us? Christ lives in us. And Christ, he's a, he's a living person. He, he has feeling. He, he has a mind. He has thoughts. So that's really a real practical way that we can, how can we have the mind of Christ? Because we have Christ in us. And I, I think, you know, I was just considering even back to kind of your first question you had started out with is what, what kind of a Christ do we experience? What kind of a Christ do we have? If Jesus is merely someone who died for people 2,000 years ago, if that's the only Christ I experienced, that would be very difficult for me to have the mind of Christ. Maybe Christ is in the heavens to me, and I worship him, but he's still a billion miles away from me, and he's, he's not a part of my life, really. Again, Christ, Christ's mind is nowhere near me. But if we have a subjective Christ, if we have what was in Romans 8, but if Christ is in you, then there's a, there's a way, right? Then we have this, this living person who we can contact. And I, I don't know what the mind of Christ is in every situation. I, I don't know. But Christ knows. <laughs> and, and he lives in, in each one of us believers. And as we, we begin to develop our, our consciousness of this one who's living in us, learning to contact him there's something that's going on even metabolically like right we talked about having a transformed mind a renewed mind so definitely something more here than just trying to imitate the lord absolutely christian i think that is a perfect distinction between us trying to imitate the lord you know when i was growing up we had a bracelet saying what would jesus do and essentially what that bracelet is asking me to do is to imitate the Lord and to do what the Lord did. Essentially trying to lift Philippians 2 in my own strength and in my own power. But I'll appreciate what you said, Christian. The Lord is not far away from us. 
In fact, if anyone wants to go back and listen to our Romans podcast, I think through the journey and through the book of Romans, we started realizing that the Lord is actually very near. In fact, he actually lives inside us. In fact, this bountiful supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ is just the Lord's person. And like you said, Christian, the Lord has a lot of feelings about certain things. And he's so particular and he's so fine in his feelings. Not just big ones like where do I need to go to college or what specialty in medicine do I need to choose or where should I go for my residency? But even how do you talk to your wife? How do you present yourself in the morning, in morning rounds, on clinic? These are all very practical moment by moment things where the spirit of Jesus Christ really has a mind. He really has a thought concerning these things. And on our part, it's a matter of letting this mind. Let the Lord as a spirit with his thought and his feelings saturate us, right? fill us to the point that now our mind truly is the mind of Christ. And Christian, I would say, unless that is happening, there is no way we can do what the Lord did. But if we learn to let the mind of Christ dwell, if we learn to live and enjoy the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, then it's not us. It's not us doing anything. It's actually the Lord. Which actually, Christian, let's keep moving. Let's bring out, because now this actually lights up, uh, ties in really well with this verse 12 and 13 in Philippians 2. Christian, do you mind reading those? This is uh, Philippians 2, 12 and 13. So then, my beloved, even as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much rather in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who operates in you, both the willing and the working for his good pleasure. Okay, Christian. So... Verse 12 starts with this verse, therefore, right? Uh, what, was your, what, what did your translation say? So then. So then, right? So then, therefore. So essentially, verse 12 is linking back to the previous verses that we just read. And there's this little verse here, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Christian, this might seem almost heretical. Because as a believer, we know that salvation is not by works, but by grace. In fact, uh, this is also spoken of in Ephesians, right? That our salvation is not according to our own works, but according to grace. Yet here, Paul is saying, you need to work out your own salvation. So Christian, do you have any insight or any clarity on maybe this thought in working out your own salvation? And getting into this and studying it a little more, I think it was helpful to, to see that there is our eternal salvation, being saved from eternal perdition. And that salvation, yeah, we, we, we can't do anything, in a sense, to, to, to effect a change in that. The Lord, he did everything for us. But when we pay attention to different other parts of the Bible, uh, even back again, Romans 5.10, where Paul says, having been reconciled, much more we are being saved in his life. So there's another kind of salvation going on. I think that's probably 
more along the lines of what's happening here. That kind of salvation, salvation in life, Paul mentions we need to be saved from the present evil age. You know, Peter says in Acts chapter 2, I think it's like, you know, men of Israel be saved from this evil generation. Okay, so the salvation here, it's, it's, it's probably not talking about our eternal salvation. That's not what we're working out, but some another kind of salvation. Maybe you can flesh that out a little more. Well, amen, Christian, because like you said, Paul here is writing to a bunch of believers in the church in Philippi. So their eternal salvation is already set in stone. And according to the scriptures, you cannot lose your salvation. And that's one thing that we do not have to second guess. Once we are saved, once we believe, once we confess our sins and accept the Lord as our Savior, instantly we are saved for eternity. But there is this phrase that we brought out in the Romans podcast, and there was this matter of full salvation. And even in our own experience, we can see, okay, Lord, I'm saved from eternal perdition. But even now, there are so many things in my life that do not match the Lord. We don't even have to talk about gross sins. There's plenty of those that do not match the Lord. But even our attitude, even the humility that was brought up earlier in Philippians chapter 2, it does not match the Lord. And therefore, something needs to be worked out. There needs to be some cooperation on our part. And this actually reminds me actually a lot of the book of Genesis with Noah. So we brought this out before too. You know, Noah was a called out one. He called on God. He walked with God. He did all these things with God. But if Noah did not cooperate with God to build the ark, he was still in trouble. And so, yes, Noah's salvation with God was set. He was called by God. God had chosen him. You know, he was calling on God. He came from the line, the lineage of ones that walked with God and called with uh, called on God. But he still had to learn to cooperate with God to build the ark. And in First Peter, the ark saved those eight souls. So what Noah worked on ended up being his salvation through the godless generation. And you could say that what Paul is talking about here in Philippians is that salvation. That is the one that we have to work out. But I also appreciate that, you know, you see that you're like, okay, well then Lord, here we are again. I got to work. I got to do something. But right the verse right after it, it says, for it is God who works in you. Christian, do you want to develop this part about God working in us? I, I just wanted to add here maybe that I feel like all this is not, it's not just so that we can become these like perfect little Christians. <laughs> Again, you know, there, there's really um, a purpose for all this. And even it's mentioned just a few verses down in Philippians 2. If it's okay, I want to read that. In verses 15 and 16, Paul concludes that, that you may be blameless and guileless children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine as luminaries in the world, holding forth the word of life. 
reading this kind of portion of the word, I, I don't, I know I can take it as a law instead of grace. And I, I hope nobody listening would take it as a law as more things that we have to do. But here, interweaved with these seeming requirements, there's, again, it's, it's, it's Christ himself who's becoming our mind. It's, it's God who's operating. We, I don't know. I, I need to experience more of that. I need to let God operate in me. And, and this is ultimately for his good pleasure for, and very practically here, right? We're becoming the luminaries in this, in the world today, which is increasingly dark. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of add that portion there too. Amen, Christian. Well, we'll wrap it up there. And I think I just want to give a little summary about what we've talked about. You know, Christian, I really appreciate those verses that you brought out, how Paul is saying that, hey, that you as a group of believers may be blameless and godless, right? Children of God in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. And here we're asked to be lights in the world. We're holding fast to the word of life. And this is our, our testimony, I would say. But like you said, Christian, this is not an individual testimony. It's not like you're doing this and then I'm doing this. But actually, the very first few verses in Philippians 2, and even what we've covered in our last podcast, Paul is saying, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of the one mind. So what stronger testimony to the world than all the believers having one mind, all the believers saying the one thing. And I think we brought this out last time that this was what the Lord was praying for, that we would be one, even as him and the father are one. And so Christian, there is no way in the world we could be one unless we all let the mind of Christ dwell in us. And so you're seeing this whole thing come back full circle, that the Lord's life, the Lord's humility, this wonderful thing that the Lord went through is not a law for us. It's not a bunch of rules for us, but it's to give us a pattern showing us that, hey, you need to let the mind of Christ dwell in you. And not just you, but all of you, all the believers in Philippi, all the believers here in Jackson, we need to learn to let the mind of Christ dwell in us so that the Lord can have a proper testimony in this crooked and perverted generation. This is why experiencing Christ is so crucial. This is why experiencing the indwelling Christ is so crucial. Well, Christian, I appreciate you for your time, for hopping on again on New Year's Day to go over this with me. And I think this is a wonderful message to start the new year. May we all really learn to let Christ express himself out of each of of us. Amen.
like thirst to sell.